0: Hello there, of do we think of Generation X as rage, angst, frustration, and a generation that wanted to change the world then and there, but didn't quite know how to bring it about. Sandwiched between the all-conquering baby boomers and the it's-all-about-me Generation Y and millennials, Generation X stood for something more. A generation with a social conscience, a generation that wanted to be kinder to the environment, a generation that wanted to be harder on big business and corporations, not happy to tow the company line. Generation X sought meaning in what they did, seeking the spiritual side and how they could benefit mankind. But what happens to all that rage when you turn 40 or 50? Milestones that many Generation X's are now passing. So what happens when Generation X turns 50? Joining me tonight is the mastermind behind tonight's topic. Hello there, Kurt. Hello. The sartorially imaginative captain. Good evening, Captain. Hi, Princess. How are you going? Oh, I'm, I'm tickety-boo. Our resident granddaddy. Hello there, Sid.
1: Hey, Princess. How are you going?
0: Oh, I'm fine. Coming to us from Anastasia Land, the high-flying and brilliant Lavagie. Tu va bien ce soir, Lavagie?
2: Je suis désolé pour vous.
0: I don't speak French. I don't know why you're even trying to. He can sing. He can dance. He can clean your pool. He can fix your computer and he can fly a plane. A model plane, that is. Good evening, Eddie.
3: How you going there, princess? Jesus, good to be back again. It's like we haven't done this for a long, long time.
0: What is Generation X? Generation X is defined as being those people born between 1965 and 1980. The heyday culturally for Generation X was arguably between the late 1980s until the end of the early noughties. But there have been further influences that carry through into the current day. So... I ask, what was a standout moment when you encountered something for the first time that other generations had never experienced and did it change your life? And I'm opening the discussion.
4: Well, the one I could think of for me, Eddie showed me a thing called the internet and um, I was just amazed with it. And I, I put some searches in about bands that I was into and, I just couldn't believe it. It was just this unreal, incredible moment. And now, like, that's part of the everyday life. I probably accessed the internet all day, every day. For me, that was a standout moment that came, the generics that didn't exist for others.
0: The thing that came to me was moving away from home. It's more on a familial generation Within the family, I was the first one to do this. And I moved away from home after school and went to uni in Canberra where I knew no one. I made a complete fresh start. And I was the first one in my family to do that.
5: Um, probably for me <laughs> it was the, you know, seeing a computer. I remember we, I grew up in Canberra and... We were featured on the television because our primary school was the first school in Canberra to get a computer and it was sort of, you know, the box computer with the green sort of green and black screen and, um, you know, we actually used that as part of our schooling and so that would have been in 1986 that that happened and then um, for my 21st birthday, I got a computer, so one that was actually in my home and it had, like, the, the dot printer on it and, you know, you had to buy all the paper and, you know, to see how technology and everything's changed now, even just what we're doing tonight on, you know, mm. Zoom and podcasting and all of that, just it's incredible to see that in my lifetime it's gone from something so basic, which was cutting-edge technology at the time, to now it's just in our face and we can't even do anything Without technology, really.
0: Remember having to type in things in MS DOS to get anything to happen, <laughs> and you thought it was so clever. And now we just hit a button, and all the programming's all way, way, way back behind the face of what we're doing.
3: One of the things I noticed the most was going to see a live show. First band I ever saw, Dire Straits, 1986 at the Entertainment Centre. And that just blew me away. To see these people that we used to watch on MTV and on Rage and all that in person, just amazing. And uh, it was incredible because they had the big screens up and I'd never been to a concert before, so I never knew how they did that. And we were so far away from the stage, but the entertainment centre was just an amazing place. It didn't matter who you saw or where you were sitting in that place, you, you, you had a great
4: experience. Mm -hmm. i think they they did did like 26
5: shows but i think pink now
4: i think someone went has overrun that yeah yeah it
0: has got the record i think
3: and we were in the last um, show the very last show that dire straits did there the one they televised
1: i've got that on vhs somewhere
3: (laughs) (laughs) i remember i couldn't
1: get the tickets i watched some telly and recorded it from home (laughs) that was a real standout memory I think the standout for our generation wasn't just the internet, but that beginning of access to information at our fingertips and what that meant. Suddenly we could confirm, we could research, we can get good information, bad information. It was like the saturation of information that we could get that I think that changed things. It changed probably how we saw the news. It changed how we researched. Uh, Eventually it changed how we shopped. It had an integral part of
4: our life. The world is so different when you look back to that time to what it is now. Back then was just the emergence of these things. We were lucky enough to see that emergence, I guess. But it wasn't nowhere near as widespread and nowhere near as prolific as what it is now. And
3: Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah. When you look at it correct. like I mean, try we were, and find we were there. Try and find someone who hasn't bought something online or hasn't interacted in some way (laughs) it's near on impossible
2: for me i think probably two things number one given that gen x is the shortest generation in time period compared to the others and the amount of stuff rapidly changed we went from and with the advent of computing that was really the domain of big business and the large corporations that could spend a lot of money and a lot of resources on it. That very short period between when they came in and when all of a sudden we've now got personal computers, and once again, a very short step again from the PCs, your, your desktops, to a laptop and a portable device mm. to then your mobile phones. Now, for me, considering the huge leaps that there were in the physical technology rather than what i perceive now tends to be just upgrades of existing technology so a little bit like your mobile phone you go and buy you go and get a current model this year you will get two years or three years out of it purely through software upgrades when you then go and upgrade your next phone it's basically the same device just with a little bit upgraded internals you go back to Computing, personal computing, and then mobile devices, they are three very big leaps in a very short period of time. That's probably the biggest standout thing, is just the amount of innovation that occurred over a very short period of time. And it wasn't just in um, IT or the internet or anything like that. They facilitated a lot more innovation in that very short period of time.
5: Did you hear that it was announced sort of this week, last week, that um, in the EU has actually sort of made that all devices that are yes. going to be made have to have, like, the same charger A USB-C, um, yeah, the input? USB-C. Yeah, oh, Wow. Yeah. USB-C. Things being obsolete so quickly.
4: Well, chargers are about to be obsolete because it's about to be all yeah. wireless. Like, yeah. So just by having your phone on, it'll mm-hmm. wirelessly recharge it. I think
1: the point that you're all making was something I was thinking when Bhaji was speaking, we've entered the age of manufactured obsolescence where things are designed not to last, oh. very intentionally. We, we'll get a phone that we'll be lucky to get two or three years out of, uh, we'll get oh. a computer which Moore's law will say that it'd be out of date after like two years. Uh, things are just not designed to last these days but i think think it's just with the speed
4: that things are developing as well it's like
1: but i don't think it's just it's just technology um even like the simple filament in your light globe things are designed that they they will break after a certain shelf life to encourage you to keep buying because businesses have turned this into a model (laughs)
0: Generation X was the last generation to have real freedom as children, able to play outside until the streetlights came on, catch the train to the movies by yourself. How do you think this loss of freedom has affected your own children or will affect future generations? Now, I know we've all got fantastic memories of going off and doing stuff when we were kids, and I... Myself am very, very grateful to my sister and brother-in-law who have my son every school holidays and they're on acreage and they go and those kids disappear for the whole day. They go and they drive the bush basher car. They go and saddle a horse, go for a ride. They go and do stuff and are not seen by the grown-ups all day. They have that's their awesome. own adventures, they do their own things. And that's as close to the freedom that we've had when we were kids as I think any kid can get. And I am so grateful to my sister and brother-in-law for doing that for my son.
3: I think the generation has lost a lot because um, mm-hmm. it's it's such a sad thing that we can't let our kids go and do some of this stuff for fear of them being abducted and and. You know, it's just the world's changed so much. We didn't think Look, about I stuff was, like that when we were
2: younger. Can Can I just dive in here? And not being a parent, of course, I'm an expert. Um, <laughs> Goes without saying. But, but having said that, has the world really changed that much, or yeah, is it a, a case point. of? Is it a case of now, as parents? that you have now got those additional responsibilities to make a safe environment for your kids to be able to go and do those things. Now, I do understand uh, for those people that are in, you know, high-density populated areas and that sort of stuff where you haven't got that much in the way of public space or, you know, you're not in a regional area where you can go off and be on acreage and all that sort of thing. But do you think that it's more of a perception that you've now got to provide that environment and that safety in that environment rather than it just being there?
0: Partly yes and partly no. Partly some of the stuff that we did when we were kids was inherently unsafe. Oh, definitely. I used to get on my bike without a helmet, head off out on a road, That was barely wide enough for two cars, and have cars hoon past me, and I have driven on that road as an adult and thought, what the hell was I doing on a bike as a ten-year-old out along the river flats where these cars are screaming past? And then you, Bargey, you Eddie, and me, and all the other local kids, when they were building the highway bypass, passed out. Um, near where we lived oh, when we were kids yes. and we used to go and play on the building site we used to play in concrete pipes we used to climb all <laughs> yeah. over it
2: yep.
5: it is a whs nightmare i was talking and- today about how we used to dad used to take us to the rubbish tip and you just sort of turned up there and me and my yes. brother would walk on top of mounds of rubbish and find stuff and bring loads of stuff home. <laughs> Whereas now you're just like you wouldn't even dream of doing that. God, we, no, you wouldn't be, be
3: getting.
4: You in. wouldn't be Need allowed all the stick to. stick injuries
5: like, for a start. Yes, yeah, I yeah. know. I know. It's crazy. Was it, I just love it.
4: A big deal where I lived to, to play in the drains that were locally. <laughs> we yeah. had these big drains and things, and it was nothing to go in there, you know, and, and stuff. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. We used to well, go to down to the um, the river,
3: and there's a uh, the guys from where we we come from, like um, the princess and Baji. They, they would know Big Rock down at um, the Shellhaven River there, and we would jump off. There were four levels, and you'd eventually get <laughs> more and more courage, and you'd keep jumping off. And we would be just running and leaping off this humongous rock that was like thirty meters up in the air. And just diving down and people would jump in before you to break the surface tension of the water so you don't break bones when you hit wow. it that high. Yeah. That, that high up, and, wow. Yeah.
0: never did it. I'm a big sook. Never did yeah. it. Oh, Think yeah. Think
1: about we, we this. I wonder, was... like, when you're at school, how many times do you remember kids would get, like, a broken arm, maybe broken leg, and now compare it to kids going to school?
4: I almost Oh, yeah. Yes. I think the world's I saw over my sixth when they come to school with a crack nail. I yeah. saw my sixth grade teacher throw a student onto the ground and break his arm and he got in more trouble off his parents mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that, and that guy was still our oh, teacher. you're kidding. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I remember a girl in, in my class, Lisa, she fell off the top, broke, it, landed on her arm, broke it in two places. It was hideous, you know break bone through the skin and all the rest of it
2: and i mean how how many schools nowadays still have those steel (laughs) monkey bars
4: no one one has that stuff anymore that's all long gone
5: my son went to an infant school so it's only from kindy to year two Mm. and within term one of when he was in year two five kids fell off the monkey bar and broke their arm wow and they had they had you know, it was that sort of modern monkey bar stuff. And the they had foam that, on that, <laughs> yeah, they had that sort of <laughs> soft foam. But, you know, they just fall and their little, you know, little arms are just I mean, they're all green stick fractures, but you know, it happens.
0: Well, you know? I, was, I was just going to say, to be fair, kids' bones are designed to break like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's part of what they're
3: designed to do. Some of the shit we used to do when we were younger was so dangerous, like <laughs> fireworks. Who didn't, like, make bungers? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, I oh, like, I I'm love from Bush. Canberra. <clears throat> oh, yes, we, that's right.
5: We had fireworks twice a year and and my dad used to work out in the sort of industrial suburbs right next door to the factories that would set oh, up for wow. the month before. And so he'd just bring home boxes of the stuff. Wow. Yeah. And my brother would set up a whole sort of contraption through the front garden where you'd light it once and it would take half an hour to sort of oh, go God, all the way through, a- you know? It was amazing. And so we did that the Queen's birthday long weekend in June. And then we did it again in November, like the 5th of November. It's amazing. You know, oh, and even
3: one I'm of the kids I'm amazed I went to school at. None with, of the people that we were playing with like lost arms or, or legs. Or
5: yeah. one of the guys I went to school with emptied out all the sort of powder out of it and brought it to school and lit it on the oval and blew his like layers of skin off his face. Oh
4: no! <laughs>
5: <laughs> Cleared his yeah. acne up, but you know, <laughs> it's like it was great.
4: You know the aeroplane ones that used to spin around and go up in the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they had gunpowder inside them. So if you stripped those down and tipped it out and put it in a copper tube, I remember doing this when I was a teenager. So my mate's out the back of my house and he's he's smoking a cigarette because we were about 14 or 15 mm-hmm. and he's hammering this pipe, the end of it closed. Um, someone said, Oh, you know, isn't that dangerous? Won't the um, <laughs> copper won't it make a spark? And he said, No, no, no. Copper doesn't spark. <laughs> and then someone said, no, but the hammer and the concrete.
5: <laughs> <laughs> See, so this is the thing. Like how how did somebody know how to do that? Because it's not like they could watch a YouTube video. I think
4: someone, so, older brother passed it on to someone yeah. and, yeah, yeah, passed it down and, so and yeah. We,
5: we still found out the same stuff, you know. One of the funniest YouTube videos that I remember watching way back when YouTube first started was a guy telling you an instructional, informative video of how to clean a bong. And it's (laughs) the funniest thing. And YouTube has just got too many videos now, so you can't find it. But in between all the really sort of badly edited cuts, he'd come back and obviously smoked a whole load of cones before and was just getting more and more stoned in between. It was just brilliant. But this, when did YouTube start? 2004?
4: Mm, Early 2000s.
5: Oh, yeah, two thousand five. Isn't so, like that long ago?
4: Five thousand so, years worth of content on YouTube yeah, now. Or yeah. Something.
5: So, <laughs> so this is the thing. How did how did we find out stuff? Yeah, you know, true. Was it's but we just sort of did. You know, and whether you know it was the older brothers or you know somebody saw it somewhere or you know a it
1: was on. Of a maiden, you know, yeah. yeah yeah
5: yeah. But we still found out how to do dodgy stuff.
1: Oh, Captain, I remember school assembly during firecracker <laughs> week and uh, we had the principal talking to everybody and there was this just this huge bang. And what someone had done is put together this mother of all bungers beside a toilet cubicle and oh, no. it, it, it clearly echoed. <laughs> but the part is when the bang happened, because not many people are in the know, there's a school of like, you know, 800 kids, and we all just crashed down to the ground just thinking, what on earth <laughs> that we picked the end of the world? And I could say, this is a great one because not only was the porcelain all fractured, you know, those uh, partition balls, they were kind of like dominoes oh, spreading yeah, out yeah. from yeah. Where, where it was.
5: I've never seen
1: a sign like that. And, and the, the irony of the story was that even though it was assembly at the start of the morning, they did actually catch out a smoker who was missing assembly.
4: It wasn't he blown, be,
1: <laughs> blown up. He happened to be having a smoke with the toilet. <laughs>
4: he got the shock of his life.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's like I think I've got to quit smoking now.
4: Wow! <laughs>
1: Apparently, he couldn't hear properly for about two oh, or three you'd days. Be deaf.
4: So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I do. In know, not so like moment. I do remember two serious incidents. Just to think back to Baji, what she said about. Was the world different back then? I don't think it was terribly different. So two girls walking to school in primary school, I guess we would have been about fifth class. They were in my class. They were approached and a man tried to coerce them into getting into his car. Mm. And one of the girls ran to a nearby house and knocked on the door and, they, and that person came out. Luckily, someone was home and they came out and the guy took off. And another time, some kids... From my school, not that I knew though, were approached in the park near that was near the school. So I think stuff. I think there were still dangers out there, but I don't think there were as many possible. Yeah, that's a, a
3: really good point. I mean, is the world different now, or is it always been the same? But we're just hearing about a lot more of this stuff now. I think um, the perception of it is more acute. I reckon I, statistically,
1: it's probably safer now than it's ever been. People are more prepared, to, uh,
0: more confident to speak out about things now. Yeah, yeah, and they and they also know where to go to get help now, and they know that their fears and their experiences will be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. where before you knew you were told if you were told something like don't tell your parents or they'll because they'll sack me or they won't talk to me again or I'll lose my job or whatever um you had that whole you had that on your shoulders if you you didn't know that you had a right you had the ability to go somewhere and have that view have your experience validated um yeah, so it's still uh, it's still there. People just know what to do about it now. that, that education has improved a hundredfold. People know where to go to get help, they know how to get help, and they know how to do that from a young age.
3: Let's
1: Kurt, you've really generated some top discussion with your <laughs> ideas tonight. you really
3: have. absolutely, yeah, yeah, this is a great <laughs> um, a great subject, Kurt.
0: If you could go back to your heyday or the heyday of Generation X, what is the one thing you would do differently and why?
2: Oh, great question. Actually, just on that question, what if you regard the current period that we're in as our heyday?
0: Each year could be getting better for you.
2: That's we're it. certainly smarter than we used to be. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're not doing as much lo- stupid lo- 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 shit lo- lo- anymore. It. And, and and I did look up the Forbes Generation X getting or turning fifty uh, recently. We're actually the most educated uh, group within uh, all of the still living generations, and the one thing that sort of stands out from the later generations is we seem to seek out further education as we continue to get older, whereas um, Gen Y and the millennials, they look at schooling and education as just an early block that they get done and out of the way and then they want to come out, come in and become a CEO somewhere.
0: But will the younger generations come back and do more education as they grow and mature as their attitudes to life, the universe, and everything change, as life oh, God, throws different so. things at them. Mm-hmm.
2: God, I hope so.
0: <laughs> the dumbing down of their society that, is succeeded.
2: That's, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. That one. But uh, wow. look, uh, I'm
1: I'm 51, and I've got to admit, I'm probably enjoying life more than I probably did when I was 18. And said, there's you so do much not to look, look a day forward over to over
3: 51. <laughs>
1: Well, I think with the exception of the captain, we're all over 50, aren't we? Yeah. I do think it's important with that younger generation they should be seen and not
2: heard. Is that right, Captain? (laughs) No, but I'll back you on that (laughs) (laughs) Sid.
0: If you could go back to the heyday, what is the one thing you would do differently and why? I'd see more bands. I didn't see enough and I really regret not seeing In Excess when they were young'uns and um, (laughs) Midnight Oil more. And I would have loved to have seen Weddings, Parties, anything when they were really going for it. Um, Yeah, yeah. yep. I'm just sorry that I didn't get to see as many bands as I could have. Although I did go and see Mossy after Tucker's Daughters came out at the refectory at uni and only six people turned out because he only had one song. But, yes. you know.
5: <laughs> it's a memory. Memory. I, yeah. I, when, yeah, when uh, when people say Gen X, I think I automatically just think of music yeah. and the, the timelines of music. I, yeah. You know, I don't tend to sort of crap on, you know, millennials and the baby boomers and, you know, Think about all the things like that. When I think of Gen X, I just think of music and what was going on at the time.
4: Music was the biggest change, I think, during
5: Gen X time. And certainly the change, you know, I used to be able to sneak my way into a concert and not pay. I used to be able to sneak backstage and get all my stuff signed. I used to be able to talk my way through with the bouncer to get into concerts. I've seen some of the most incredible bands for free, Whereas now, you know, you get strip searched and if you step out of the line you get tasered, you know, when you're at a concert and it feels very, you know, un-rock and roll, you know, when you're going to Mm. see your favourite band at Kudos Arena and you've been, you know, strip searched and the fluoro lights are on and, you know, you have to stay in your seat and you can't stand up and that that certainly, that was the heyday for me. Yeah,
2: it's... it's I'm very much the same between Princess and the Captain around I would definitely go and see a lot more live bands. The one that really sticks with me, and um, you'll appreciate what you said, he was the uh, night that we went to the Oils at Enmore Theatre. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, I would have to say, the best concert that I ever went to. Um, They were on fire that night. They were on mm. fire, but the thing was it was a really small theatre. Yeah. It yeah. was a small um, crowd and they just went off. And I've been to a lot of other big theatrical-type performances yeah. and all that sort of stuff that aren't even a, a shadow just to, have the to what the Oils did that night. Well, that might.
0: Um, I didn't move because I was absolutely yeah. mesmerised. Normally you bop around and you dance and you sing and all the rest of it. I just stood there like a statue because I was absolutely mesmerised. They just went off. It was fantastic.
2: And, and, and I think with the um, what you were saying, Captain, around nowadays where because of the security requirements and everything else, it's gone from that real fun, emotive experience to a very um, sanitised process, yeah, mm. very
3: clinical.
5: Yeah, and we all, we all right have now. to be out of here by eleven. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Mm. yeah.
5: yeah. Like
4: Sorry. you know,
5: I, I crowd surfed at Nirvana at the Horden Pavilion at the Big Day Out 1992.
4: Yep, that's one. That's my big regret. So Nirvana played at the Phoenician Club two days have before you crowd surf. Yep, the Meanies went on first. Yep. I went there to see the meanies.
5: Oh, and you left. Oh.
4: <laughs> so I left oh, you after idiots. the meanies finished to go to the um, Lansdowne Hotel where um, a few other bands were playing that were really cool, um, who I'm just trying to think of now, and um, and I left. I didn't stay for Nirvana. But yeah. I did see Nirvana at the first big day out at um, the Horton Pavilion where you were yeah. crowd surfing captain.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, could, you might so have I, pushed her along yeah,
4: yeah. So I, <laughs> I was right up I, the back near the um, near the so the best place to stand at the old Horden Pavilion was next to the sound desk, um, which is kind of what was always to the back in front of these glass windows. and so if you stood there you've got this awesome mix of the gig. So I always used to stand there. So yeah. I was far from the front.
5: Yeah Sorry. so I well I, well, I was because everyone left. From there, and then ran into the Horden Pavilion. But if you actually, you could actually get underneath all the seated stalls, yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. run down to the side and then get to the front without actually having bleaches, to go through go the go crowd. Underneath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got to the front. Yeah,
4: yeah. I remember and that the um, the clouds stopped playing because they heard Nirvana were on. Yeah, because they were. On they, were, the were stages on the s- they were on a bigger stage outside, and they came yeah. in to listen to Nirvana, then went back to their gig.
5: You're so <laughs> earlier in the day the hardons were playing and they yep. actually filmed some one of their um, film clips there you can actually see me in the
4: crowd yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's, that's another thing which these generations have. I mean, I used to live in Newtown or Camperdown. You'd go for a walk on a Sunday afternoon. There'd be a band playing yeah,
3: at the Sando. Everywhere. Oh, So
0: you'd yeah. just go in and you'd listen. You don't know who they were. It might be their only gig. But you'd go and you'd listen to live music and it was great. And one of my other favourite gigs was Hunters and Collectors at the Phoen- Phoenician Club. That's not there anymore. And another Fine. great one was the Whitlam's at um, Annandale Hotel. Yeah, which was the first gig they did play. after Stevie died. We
4: and played a few um, nice gigs there. That was a great place to play.
0: Yeah, we and um, Dave Graney and the Rattle, uh, the Coral yeah. Snakes Coral Snakes at,
3: coral snakes, yeah. at um, the Rose
0: Shamrock and Thistle at yes. Rose yes. I think Were I was we there
3: that night, didn't we? Yeah. Possibly. Remember yeah, we saw Zebra separate one way Graney at there, Todd? Rose Shamrock and Thistle.
0: Oh, well, we must have been there together with my old flatmate, the Redhead.
3: Josephine.
2: <laughs> Josephine. Hey, hey, Eddie. Do you remember the uh, the Angels concert we went to with the Shell Harbour workers?
4: Oh, shit, Shell yes. Harbour workers. Oh, <laughs> what, once Richard, again, that was a wild night. Oh, it would have been It wild was different. It, it it was <laughs> different.
2: It was it got it got a bit sporty towards the end, but it was a good yes, night. It did. Doc <laughs>
3: Neeson. Wow, what a what a cracker of a performer that guy was. I actually got a it, a going cup. back to the Angels. I saw them once yeah. down at the Huskies Husk- and RSL, oh. and um, Jerry's band oh, wow. was supporting them. So I was down there roading again, and halfway through the Angels' set, Doc Neeson and Rick Brewster go off the side of the stage and start having a fist fight <laughs> in the middle of the gig. Next thing, Doc Neeson comes <laughs> flying across the back of the stage crashes into the drum kit, <laughs> he gets up and Brewster jumps him again and then the roadies pull them off and then they come back on and start the next song. It was the most incredible wow. thing I've ever seen. I was side stage for that. It was <laughs> unbelievable.
0: I've got a couple of baby boomer friends. You know the Medi from work and they used to get around and they saw oh so many bands back in the day and one of their favorite things they used to do was go and see a band and then at the after party you know there'd be a place and there'd be a staircase or whatever and they had some fake um, dog turds and they Put them down and then just stand back out of the thing and watch people's reactions as they came past it one night and as they walked past it. And this one particular night they were doing that, standing back in the shadows watching people, and Doc Neeson rolls up and sees <laughs> what they're doing and spends half an hour standing with them chatting, killing himself, laughing with them. Thought it was ah. a great old joke. And they loved him. They, they said they um, he was a true gentleman.
4: He was, yeah. My sister took me to see uh, Midnight Oil. She took me to Capital Theatre to see Midnight Oil. And I would have only been about 11 or 12, and she would have only been about 15 or something like that. And it was head injuries or something like that, I think. And all I remember was this, there was, like, just them on the stage, and the spotlight following this bald head <laughs> ran around. And then we were standing near mezzanine level, whatever it was, and it was actually flexing up and down.
0: It did Watch. that night at the Mall too. They've got a mezzanine there and when we saw the oils. <laughs> yeah. we,
4: nah, it, it was, was the plaster going off <laughs> coming off the
2: walls that had me a bit worried.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it was an old building, wasn't it? Crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I wish I I'd seen more. I bands, plenty man. of bands yeah, but I could have. I could have seen. A I, lot more.
3: I don't think I could have seen more, but gee, I wish I had. Because I saw, yeah, nothing I, I like seeing plenty. some of your idols on stage. Like I saw um, Joe Satriani at the M.O. Theatre. Uh, yep. Oh, yep, yeah,
4: Satriani. God. Oh, My awesome brother was at magic. that gig. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
5: you know, everything is sort of at everyone's fingertips now. You know, you want to know something, you just google it you want it. you're watching this movie who's that you just you find it you can just everything but I I don't feel like that I missed out on any information you know my bedroom in the middle of Canberra you know in the 80s and, and 90s I, I still had to seek out that information you know whether it was via the you know, Smash Hits or Hot Metal magazine or The Street Press or even just Dolly magazine, I still found it and it's still shaped how I am today. And so you wonder whether, you know, the kids today are just too overloaded with stuff or whether they still find their own little niche and genre of the stuff that they actually like or whether they're just yeah. this one big mishmash of, of stuff.
3: Yeah, I just don't think they actually appreciate how difficult it was to get all this information before. I mean, it's basically all there for them, and a lot of the time they're just, um, yeah, so don't
2: care. (laughs) Yeah, for me, me, probably the the one real discernible difference between Gen Xs and subsequent generations is Gen Xs had to go looking, whereas now everything is just fed to you, whether that be through social media and I even call the social media stuff on Facebook and Twitter and all that is your feed. They've got algorithms sitting behind those that go, well, you click five times on this sort of information so you must be interested on that and it just feeds that information to you. Yeah. And I think a lot of the subsequent generations take the feed rather than actually seeking out other information besides that Mm -hmm. because it's easy to just accept that and go yep okay i've got that info now and move on which is one of the challenges that we're currently seeing with some of the disinformation that's getting around generally yeah Um, regardless of topic we had to go looking for it and as you said captain you could get that information But you had to go looking for it in in, in specific areas, whereas now it
4: just gets fed to you and it's at your fingertips. But think about, like, one thing I think of, and it's not just, I was going to say, Eddie would be familiar with this. Imagine if when you were learning to play the guitar, you had YouTube. I mean, how many hours did we used to sit playing the same song over and over and over again on a tape recorder or something because you're trying to learn a bit, you know? Yeah. Now you've yeah, just got and, to and pull it into YouTube. I want to learn Yeah, and guitar lessons and uh, drum lessons and this and that, and you're trying to figure it out. There's so many more resu- resources now. I mean oh, in- how many internet. years would you want would to learn, you learn save to play yourself? a song
3: now? You just jump on the internet, you pull up a tab chart, and it's got yeah tab chart. <laughs> strings <There you> go. <laughs> written down and where you put your finger, you don't even have to know what the chords are called anymore.
2: How many of you have bought a Consume a product, regardless of what it is, whether it be a kitchen appliance, a car, whatever, and then instead of reading the manual that came, I never to you can go on to <laughs> the internet <laughs> to have a look at a video that somebody else has done on it. Yeah, never,
4: never do I ever yeah. look at the manual
3: ever. Manuals, are but I never only, ever I have. as a last resort.
2: Last, you know resort.
0: what? I like turning pages. Yeah. So I'm, I look at the manual. I like turning yeah.
2: pages. Yeah, I'm a bit OCD like that too, Princess. I've
4: never looked at And manuals. I'm not ashamed to say it. Dumb my way forward. <laughs> there's, an,
5: there's a company, and I can't think who it is. It's an Australian company. It could be someone like Bankwest or some sort of health insurance, and they're advertising the fact that they've turned their terms and conditions and sort of, you know, product disclosure statement, which normally would have been pages of small text, mm. into a video format so you know an, an infographic type thing so you can go and watch that instead of reading the fine print yeah. you know what for people with dyslexia that would be great yeah perfect. absolutely yeah, yeah, but, but whoever whoever actually reads it we just go yes agree and do it whereas yeah. you can <laughs> no actually <one> no <laughs> right. no and so i think that's sort of just a brilliant thing that you can actually you know get that information because it's yeah. they've changed the format of it rather than you know just taking it for granted maybe this has come like I said I can't remember who it was but maybe it comes out of the you know the banking royal commission and all that sort of stuff that you have to be really upfront about all these things because people don't read it
2: yeah I think a lot a lot of industries have looked at the advantages and we've got it in ours as well where you've got to make your information as accessible as possible. And I think that's a great thing.
5: Mm, Absolutely. An observation, which I've always wanted to know why and have we actually evolved through all the generations, suitcases with wheels. (laughs) So we started off with no wheels on suitcases that we had to carry and I, I went overseas and had to carry a suitcase and had to mm-hmm. you know, get, get the trolley. Then we went to, someone said, well, why don't we put wheels on it? But we won't put four wheels. We'll just put two wheels <laughs> so we can drag it. And then it took yes. about another 10 years to put four wheels on it where we just have to push it. That's like how dumb are we? Like no. we invented the wheel and it took this long to put four wheels On something that we use, whereas we have cars, we have bicycles, you know, all of that moves. What are we doing?
0: You know, I've only just bought a suitcase with four wheels on it last week. Yeah, because I'm taking. Well, I'm taking all my work equipment, all my tools of trade, to and from work every single day because I'm on and off at work. So, and there's only so much I can carry. So. Um, Yeah, I bought myself a little one and my girlfriend at work, we discussed it, she's done the same, and I've bought a pink one. And she Um, said, you've bought pink? I went, yes. Because (laughs) no, no, um, (laughs) things get stolen at courthouses so often. No one steals pink stuff.
5: Karen. That's (laughs) clever.
0: listener, Generation X are lucky. We have had the best of experiences. We were free kids. We could disappear, play with our parents hovering. We could ride our bikes forever. We were there when computers got going. We were the kids that got taken on school excursions to see the one computer the local council would ever need. And then we grew into the adults that had to provide laptops to our children to use at school. And we ordered those on our laptops. We are also the latest generation to be caught in the generational squeeze with rapidly aging parents that need assistance but we're still raising children at the same time. Thank goodness we have the best music. <laughs> if you would like to contact any or even all of us at the podcast with no name, you can do so through Facebook at at pod no name or you can email us at pod no name at gmail.com thank you sid thank you bargie thank you kurt thank you captain and thank you eddie for joining us all tonight thank you for listening listener and we'll be back soon with another episode of the
5: podcast with no name i think we've just aged ourselves because we don't have an instagram account
3: yeah, we stuff. should use this as a scaffold.
0: <laughs> 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 Just
2: that think the so heights hilarious. we could climb to on that scaffold. <laughs> oh, oh, my God.
5: <laughs> you know, that's um, nev- this is never going away. I want to open a company, the scaffold with no name. Oh fuck (laughs) off. (laughs) Get
1: print t-shirts, the whole (laughs) lot.